this is the last week in the series that we are doing called called the follow. I want to recap a little bit. Uh, this is coming out of Matthew 28, where Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples. A disciple is someone that becomes like their rabbi, like their mentor. So when he is gone, someone else can follow in his steps and become like them in their absence. Uh, I think that that is huge. Disciples aren't something that's very common in our culture. And so in this, um, it's important to us to understand that he is not just trying to get people to believe in him, but to act like him and to become like him. With that being said, we've talked for eight weeks now. We, the first thing we did was we talked about Jesus's confrontation to the disciples in a crowd of people saying, this is the cost. This is what it's going to cost if you want to become like me. If you want to be my disciple, it's going to cost you everything that you have. Salvation is free. Discipleship will cost you everything. If you, if you, number two, devotion to the word of God. If you want to know Jesus, you're going to have to be hungry to study to become like him. Week number three, we talked about a hunger. How anything that you want to learn, you're going to have to desire. Number four, we talked about an ability to pray. Five, we said fearlessness. This is a, a massive trait that the disciples are going to have to walk in. They're going to go places where they may not feel comfortable. Um, and you're going to have to walk in confidence in those arenas of your life. Number six, love. You'll know my, that you are my disciples if you love for one another. Faith was week number seven. Brady hit that. And last week we talked about sin, how we would cling to what is good and hate what is evil. That we would hate sin, not sinners. That we would hate the cancer inside of us because it separates us from God. It was pretty cool in my opinion. This last week we're talking about go. Now next week we're going to do testimonies and communion and water baptism. So next week's going to be pretty fun. And we have some things that uh, we have something for all of you. So next week is going to be one of the weeks where if you miss, you're going to be frustrated with yourself, and that's all I can say. Um, this week we're talking about go. Go, 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 go. Now, um, we want to make sure we talk about go after we understand some of the preparation season that all of you guys are in. We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all becoming like Jesus. I don't think anyone has arrived or is there yet. And when Jesus commissioned them, I think all of them, had they had their opportunity, would have said, Jesus, maybe you can hang around for another year or two till we're ready to go. But every great moment in your life, when it comes, you're most likely not ready for it. You'll never be ready to get married. You'll never be ready to move into the house. You'll never be ready to have children. You'll never be ready. Anything great, you're not ready for. And, uh, but it doesn't mean that you're not great in the process. And it, most of everything in life is a becoming. And so we are becoming like Jesus, and he's sending us anyway. Let me take you into scripture here. And this is uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20 this time. And this is when the disciples discovered Jesus in Galilee, verse 16. He says, And the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubt it. Let me, let me just stop there for a second. It says that they worshipped him, but some doubt it. Now it doesn't, I, I looked in just about every translation I could find, and it doesn't say what they doubt it. It doesn't say if they doubted it was him. It doesn't say if they doubted themselves. It doesn't say if they doubted what had happened or how he got there or if he really died. It just says that they doubted. And, uh, and I think that's funny because I think in that scenario where someone that I know had died, when I see them again, 
I'm going to have a whole lot of questions going on in my head in that moment. Does anyone else relate to that? But it says nonetheless that they worshiped. They worshiped. Some doubt it. Um, and it goes on, and it says, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came to them and spoke to them, saying, All authority, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and teaching them to observe all the things which I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. He says, I'll always be with you. I want you to go, and I'll always be with you. First of all, I want you to think about the, maybe a moment in your life where you needed someone to do something that you could not do because you couldn't be there. Can you imagine what it's, what's going on in Jesus' mind as he's trying to hand off to the disciples a responsibility that is so big. And he's hoping that he's giving this to other people that are willing to do, in fact, this. I can think of one of the, some of the first times that Teresa and I, when we had children, um, when we handed our child off to someone else uh, so we could go on a date, we felt like it was important that we would go on a date, and we would hand our child off. And I can remember the first couple moments that this individual was at the house while we were still there. And it, it, we, we would plan on leaving when they got here we realized when they got here, we got to talk. We got to talk about this, 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 this. Like, you got this? If this happens, you'll do this. They need to go to bed here. They need to eat this. If they hit their head, this is what's going to happen. There's a whole lot of like a checklist and a checklist and a checklist that you want to go to that you've done also when there's something that's important about that you need done that you can't do yourself. Jesus is asking his disciples to go and he can't be there. And uh, he's hoping that they'll carry the torch. In the midst of this, they're doubting. He's giving to them, and they're freaking out. And can you imagine? I, I would think of like um, if you got the call that you were going to get to carry the Olympic torch. It'd be like, this is awesome, yo. I am so excited. You put it on Facebook. You tell everyone, like, I am a big, I'm going to carry this. And the moments that you know that it's actually coming, you would be freaking out of your mind. You know what I mean? Hands are getting all sweaty. Like, I can't, there's so many people, if you, if you were to Google it, the story of how many people have dropped the torch in the process. Like, their hands are all like, there's so much so pressure. They've got like this, this transition. And I think that the disciples are feeling it. It says that they're doubting and that he is wanting them to do something that they inside themselves don't feel that they can do. And when I read this, this sentence to you, it says, go therefore to make disciples. I wonder, does this verse apply to you? Do you get a sense that God has, is sending you? And who is he sending you to? And what does that look like? Because I think that this is the end all. Like, this is the, like, oh, crap. I'm not ready. I want more time. I don't want to go. I'm not prepared. I can't do. I send someone else. Like, I'm not good enough to do dot, dot, dot. No. And, but this is the great commission. This is the greatest thing that Jesus could give you is the responsibility for you to be him while he's gone there's nothing more important that he's ever wanted to, like if, it's like if I was to give you my children and say I'm leaving, 
This is the greatest thing that I can give you. This is the greatest thing that he can give you is this is the gospel. This is my Holy Spirit. I want you to take this, become me, I'm leaving. Go and tell everyone. Does this verse apply to you? And do you get a sense that you're ready to go? I'm thinking about that today. And uh, as I think about that, there's this verse that happens in, there's so many people in the scripture, I believe, that in that moment I could preach about. And uh, I, I wanted to take, go to the Old Testament this week and talk to you about some people that had the same encounter, the same responsibility, the same mantle was put on them for them to go, and they freaked out of their mind. Um, let me tell it to you. Uh, it's in Exodus chapter 3, verse, uh, Exodus chapter 3. You know it as the story of the burning bush. It's a really famous story. Moses, he had lived in Egypt. He was born, sent down the Nile because he was going to be slain. And uh, he was rescued by someone in Pharaoh's house. And he was raised up there somewhere about the age of 40, we believe. Uh, he realized that he was not an Egyptian. He was an Israelite. His people were being uh, enslaved. He felt their oppression. He felt terrible for them. And he decided to leave the house of Egypt and to go. And he, he, was, he was a shepherd. He, he'd tend the sheep. He was trying to find another life that he can do. And in this process, he knew that God was calling him to do something great in the midst of a simple life. God was calling him to do something great. He has this great encounter with God in the desert with a burning bush. God calls him. He goes to the bush. He sees the bush. This is what happens. God speaks to him and he says, Behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I also seen the oppression of which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, and I will send you to Pharaoh, and you will bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This is a massive responsibility. God is, he sees the oppression of his people and he realizes I'm gonna put it on Moses to go and carry out this great exploit. Moses, you're gonna go. Moses has an encounter like no one else. No one else has had an encounter like you've had with God. It's, it's different, it's personal, it's yours. Moses has an encounter that's different at the burning bush and God sends him to his people. And Moses, I love his response Right after verse 10, you find him in verse 11. Point, my, point, my first point is, is Moses' response is, I am no one, God. I am no one. Listen to what he says in verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I believe that this happens in a lot of people when God calls them. When God calls them, they go, well, who am I that I can go? I can't go. I can't. He, have, have Pastor Tim go. I'll pray. I'll, I'll double my offering today. Send someone else. Who am I? I can't do it. And I love God's response in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. He says, I will be with you. I love what's happening. I think in most normal conversations with man and man, man would, if, if man would say, who am I that I should go? Someone would, would build them up and be like, well, if, if I was talking to Moses, I'd be like, who are you? Well, you lived in Pharaoh's house. You're the greatest of all the Israelites. There is no one that has more favor in Israel. That's not what God said. God didn't say how great you are or how capable you are or how many wonderful things you'll do. What he said was, I'll be with you. Who am I, Moses said? I don't care about who you are. What I'm trying to get them to understand is who I am. I will be with you if you go. 
Their oppression is before me. I need you to go. Who am I? I can't do it. Don't worry about who you are. I will go with you. And I love that he says the same thing in the Great Commission. I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Then Moses, he, he, he fires back. The rest of the chapter would talk about, well, you know, I'm not ready and all these things, and, and God gives him a whole lot of more, I and mean, it's a great dialogue in the rest of chapter three. In chapter four, they're still dialoguing there on, I think, Mount Sinai, and, and they're having the conversation, Moses in the bush, and we see this in, in, in um, my second point, that Moses rebuttals back to God. But they aren't going to believe me, God. Anyone else ever feel that way? Well, if I tell them, they're not going to believe me. He says it in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. They will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And God says, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Just so they know that God's appeared to you, I'll be with you. His answer again is simply, so they know, I'll be there. So they know, I'll be there. What he's saying is, I will show them my might, I will show them my power. I'm not worried about what they think or whether they'll believe you or not. I'm not asking you to convince them. I'm not asking you to assure them. I'm not asking you to define me. I'm just asking if you'll go, but they won't believe me. So they know, I will be there. So they know, I'll demonstrate my power. Now that's a wonderful blessing, understanding when Jesus said the same thing in the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have it. I want you to go. He didn't even say I'm giving, it, I'm giving you all authority. He says, I have it all. You don't need to worry about nothing. You go for me. Now that's pretty stinking awesome to know that there's this big, massive, awesome, powerful creature that's with me that is going to do everything I need and all I have to do is tell them that I don't even have to get them to believe me. He's going to get them to believe him because he loves them because he's seen their oppression because he wants to know them. He's going to do the work that he promised he would do if we will go. My third point is this. Then Moses answers right back. Man, I love Moses. So fantastic. But he says this, the same thing that you would say, that I would say, that many others say, but I'm not gifted enough, God. That was Exodus chapter 5, or Exodus chapter 4, verse 5. In verse 10, he says, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Anyone else ever said this? <laughs> I can't talk to people. I'm not good at it. I'm not, I'm not prepared. I don't have enough theology. I don't know scripture enough. I don't, I don't know how to break like, this down. I can't explain the way that, that, that T.D. Jakes can say things. Like, I'm not on the same level. I'm not good enough to go to these people. And Mo, this is Moses. He said the same thing. Well, look, uh, they're not going to believe me. Who am I? And I'm not good enough talker. And I love what, the way God fires right back at him. And it's great because the Lord doesn't put anything on him. He puts it all on me. Like, I'm, don't, I'm not even going to say to you. Jesus would say, don't worry what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. God here says to Moses, who is man? Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord. You say, I'm not good enough to talk. And God says, I, 
I'm well aware of what you're not good at doing. Trust me, I made you. I made your mouth. I know what you're bad at. Will you go? What an awesome opportunity. And Moses fires right back. So who made man's mouth? Like, how powerful is that? What are you going to say next, you know? And Moses has the, the best answer. I don't know if you know what, for, number four, Moses says, hey, don't, don't make me do this, God. I'm telling you, it's in Exodus chapter four, verse 13. He says, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Send someone else. I wanted to just take a few minutes and ask you something real, real quick. Can you see the need? I, I, I know that you, when you look inside yourself, you doubt. Most people doubt their own ability when it comes to a supernatural God. You are a natural human being that has a supernatural anointing in your life. I get that you feel small sometimes. I get that you feel limited sometimes. When I look at man in scripture, most men felt limited. Will you go? When I think about this, I think of all the disciples and all of these things that we talked about. You know how like we said like, like they have to read their Bible, they have to pray, they have to be hungry for Jesus, they have to uh, you know, be fearless in this. They have to, and I think about all the things that they did wrong in the scripture. You know, we talked about how they have to love and they decided to, they, they, they wanted to bring Jesus to a place to stay and because no one would let him into town, they decided to cast fire on them and kill them. They missed it. They're not loving. They're not capable of being a disciple. They, Jesus asked them to pray. Hey, will you pray? They go to sleep. He wakes them up and says, hey, I need you to pray. I'm about to die. We have stuff to pray about. Can you pray with me? They go back to sleep. I don't see anywhere in the, in the, old, in the, in, in, in the life of Jesus, the disciples quoting scripture at all. Did, did they not study? I, I, I see multiple episodes where Jesus sent them out to pray for healing for people. And what happens is they prayed, and what happens is those people they prayed for comes back to Jesus and said, hey, your disciples prayed for me? It didn't work. Can you pray for me? And so I see the, like, like failure after failure after failure, them not having enough faith, Jesus talking to them like they're children, talking to them like they're never going to get it, they're never going to learn, they're never going to learn, they're never going to learn. And these are the same people that he says, I am sending you now. I know your limitations and I'm not concerned about what you're not capable of. Will you go? I will be with you. Will you go? I have three questions for you today. One, can you see the need? When this verse uh, starts off, it starts talking off about the oppression of, of the Egyptians. God says to Moses, he says, look, I've, I'm looking down on the earth and I see the oppression of my people. Can you see the need? Jesus said it this way. In Matthew chapter nine, verse 35. And Jesus went to about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Would you pray to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into the harvest? The Lord isn't concerned about whether or not the harvest is ready or not. 
what he's concerned about is, can he find people that are willing to take on the responsibility of reaching the people he cares about? Can he find people that are willing to take on the weight of realizing? Now, I don't know where you are today, what your theology or what you realize is happening. I know that you've got a lot of stuff. You're behind on, you, you're, you're, your time is, is limited. There's only 24 hours and there's only like four hours in a day. Let's face it, right? Like we're behind on a million things. But I think the only thing that God's really cared about is people. There is a heaven and there is a hell. That is a reality. And when God who sits outside of time and eternity, I think he's only really concerned about the day that he has to separate the sheep and the goats. Can you see the need? Can you see your family members struggling? Can you see the despair of people that are not right with God? Can you see it? And if you can see it, what are you gonna do about it? My second point is this. What does go mean to you? Where do you go? Who will you go to? And what will it look like? When God says, I am go therefore into all the world and make disciples, what is your go? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Because here's the deal, man. We can talk about love, the reading the Bible, the hunger for Jesus, and ability to pray, possessing fearlessness, love, faith, and being sinless. But listen, all of that is going to be a rotation of a broken wheel that makes us feel like we are just not getting it if we don't go. Because if we don't go, it's going to be harder to read the Bible. When you decide in your heart that you're going to go, reading your Bible has purpose. When you're going to decide that you want to love human beings, reading your Bible has purpose. When you're going to decide that you're going to go, you have a reason to love, to forgive, to be without fear. You're going to have a reason to, 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 to be passionate about the things. In your... When we decide not to go, reading our Bible again next week will become bland. It will become dry and dreary. We will become stagnant. Because he designed a, rivering, a, 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 a river to flow through us. A river to flow through us. And if we don't go, we're missing the gospel. What does go mean for you? What will it look like tomorrow when we go to work? What will it look like tomorrow when we go out to dinner? Who will you go to? What will you say? I think we have to decide now. You have to see it. You have to hear it. You have to feel it. My third point is this. Rachel, would you come back? Will you go for me? That's my third point is will you go? I don't know. When I hear the Great Commission, it, it, uh, Charles Spurgeon said it best, man. He said that the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. And I think it's been a long time since many of us have put ourselves out there. But I don't know if there's a greater responsibility than, to, than for the Lord to give you the burden of his kids. Hey, I'm leaving now. 
It's on you. I, I know that you haven't done it right in the past. I know you've missed this. I've missed this. You've missed this. You've missed this. Peter cut some guy's ear off. And now three days later, Jesus is talking to him about, hey, will you go for me? Like, I just tried to murder somebody, Jesus. It's all right. I need you to go. I don't care what you've done wrong. Heaven and hell are on the line. Will you go? What we've done is, um, I haven't said this yet to you guys, we've got a, several things on the calendar that we, I mean, the barbecue is gonna be great. And there's, the, on the app, if you look at events, there's a lot of events. One of the most important events right now that I, I need you to know about is next Sunday night. Um, I reserved this announcement for myself. Next Sunday night, we're gonna have a service at six o'clock. And um, I wanted to do some sort of commissioning, you know, where we lay hands on everyone and say, go, and we get this big sword, and we like, yeah, commission, and we fire on them and stuff like that. And I was thinking, you know what? I wonder what it looked like for the apostles to wait on the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to have a worship service uh, that's probably going to look different. It's going to be designed on you waiting, not me praying, you seeking, and you waiting for the Holy Spirit. Because that's really the only last step in this whole process is you receiving from the Lord a whole identity change. But I, I, um, I don't know if there's anything bigger than us going. But I, 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 I want you to remember, like, if there are people in your life that God has put there that I will never be able to reach. I'll never, I'll never meet them. They will never believe in me. They'll never even like me, but they love you. And you're, they, may, you know, they may not love you. They may not even like you. But God has placed you in their life for a reason. 